So um, years ago, I think I told you, well, start this way. You know, the one thing I wanted to do this summer, the one thing I wanted to do moving to Coeur d'Alene was do the Hiawatha Trail. But like, I'm always busy on my day off with church stuff, so never really, I never got to do the Hiawatha Trail. So you know, the one thing I want to do this winter is go skiing. I haven't been skiing in 20 years. I don't even know if I know how anymore. So, like, I really am excited to go. I just want to try skiing. Because when I was in McCall years ago, um, I'd go four times a week. And I love the feeling of skiing because it's so free. And there was really no work to be done at the church. It was really tiny. So, um, you know, went up where the people were. And the problem is, people found out I was a priest, which is not a problem. I mean, it's an embarrassment to the Catholic Church, but... Um, so they find people always say kind of ridiculous things like, oh, well, my worship is skiing. That's where I really feel close to God. I love skiing, but that's just pleasurable. That's not worship. If you worship only what gives you pleasure that you like, that's not worship. That's just a form of narcissism. Uh, what you're worshiping is yourself, not the one God. Um, and you hear this all the time that, you know, golf is how I worship. Golf is not worship. Uh, it's one of the greatest inventions of Satan. But, um, <laughs> joking. But, or people say, ah, what I, uh, my worship is hiking. You know, no, that's pleasure. Worship is not supposed to be pleasurable. And I swear, anybody who comes here, it, the worship here, it will not be a pleasurable experience. <laughs> um, worship is be seeking oneness with the one God. So you have this contrast. I want you to become cynical like me. Be able to point out the difference between worship of the one God versus worship of oneself. You can call it worship, but it's really narcissism. So, like, there's a difference. And if you're wondering, why is he going off on this? Because I really want to focus on the second reading, um, because Paul is talking about this oneness. Now, I don't really care. Become cynical. Be able to pick this stuff out, where somebody can say, well, you know, I worship what's in the Bible. But then if you really listen, they just pick and choose little parts of the Bible that support their agenda. That's not worshiping the one. That's once again, uh, that's worshiping yourself. And Paul, in the second reading, Paul had actually in all his writings, you have to get used to this. He loves a number one. He always uses one, one, one. There is one God, one Lord, one baptism that we share, one spirit we're anointed in, one bread that we share, one cup of the spirit that we drink from. Like he just is in love with the number one. One God, one body of Christ. And worship, worship is supposed to make us one with the, with the one source of it all, God. So baptism, it makes us one. The Eucharist, week after week, we're growing more and more united in, as a body, one body, united with God. So it's all about growing in oneness. 
Now, to be honest, I love that. Like our worship of the Eucharist, of baptism, it's this mystical experience of us drawing into the oneness of God, where we become one with each other. And there's this mystic I like. Her name is Carol Hauslander. She lived during World War II. And she was this great English mystic, where, just her life real quick, she, um, in her youth, she was a little wild. She became this successful artist. But she returns back to the Catholic Church, takes up a life of serious prayer, and lo and behold, she becomes this mystic. And I love a lot of her mystical experiences. But one, um, and whatever is it, you, you take the Eucharist serious, serious, and you become, live in this oneness with God. So once she's, it's the end of the day, she's getting on these trains, all the workers in English or England are getting off work and they're getting in the trains and the train car is just packed with people. And suddenly, Christ gives her this vision. And the vision is, Wherever she looks, whoever she looks at, she sees the presence of Christ alive in them. So she looks at you, and she sees Christ in you, and Christ in you, and Christ in you. And not only does she see the presence of Christ in them, but she suddenly has this great feeling of love that I love you, and I love you, and I love you. She loves all these people. She doesn't even know who they are. And yet, she loves them. And then, God expands the vision a little bit farther. That not only does whoever she looks at, does she see the presence of Christ in them, she sees who you're connected to. Through you, she can see your family and, you know, all over the place. Your family in Europe. She can see who your heart loves and Christ in them. And she loves them, even though she doesn't know it. She, you know... She looks at you, and she can see people that you're connected to. They might be in some distant, God-forsaken place like Post Falls, and somehow, <laughs> through you, she can see them, and she loves them, too. Then God expands the vision even further. This is the amazing part. When she looks at you, not only does she see the presence of Christ in you and who you're connected to, she sees who you're connected to in heaven. That all of us are in this one binding force of the Holy Spirit. It makes us all one no matter where you are. And oddly enough, those in heaven connected to you, she feels this great love towards them as well. So Carol Hauslander's vision is what St. Paul is talking about in the second reading. He's trying to convince people, no, our religion is mystical. You share in baptism in the Eucharist. It leads us more and more into this great oneness uh, the, with the one, God. Um, so that's what religion does for us. It enfolds us into the one so that we can really love each other. And what St. Paul is battling, and I want you to get this down, is the opposite of this, is religion is about conformity. Conformity to the world. We'll be united as long as you do exactly what, and think and say and dress and behave just like I tell you to. Well, that's not religion. 
That's not worship of the one. That's still worship of yourself. Everybody has to be just like you. And that's not oneness. So um, this sounds kind of strange, but you find that all coming up in religion all the time. I want you to be cynical and be able to pick it out. Because like this one priest I know, he's a good guy. I like him. But he thinks religion is about imposing conformity. So he goes to this parish. I have a friend at the parish. He goes to this parish, and uh, you know, priests change in um, August and July, so it's hot. And the first thing he does is put out this letter that the women in the church, and only the women, that, that there's a dress code. And the dress code is women have to wear long sleeves and dresses to church. Um, nothing about the men. So my friend who goes to that parish, she's, you know, no offense, she's Irish, and you know how those women are. Um, she rightly says that's ridiculous. So she meets with a priest, and because she's challenging, she wears a sleeveless summer dress, but she looks, she always dresses real classy. She has style. So she goes to him and she says, you know, look at me. I look great. I look great. And I guarantee you, on any Sunday, I look better than any man who just puts on t-shirts and jeans. It's like, but you made it all about how women have to dress. And she said, you know, I look great. You may be comfortable with women in the heat of the summer wearing long sleeves and a long dress, but I don't want to wear a prairie dress in the middle of the summer. You know, you can wear that. <laughs> um, but the priest thinks, He's a great guy, but he thinks religion is about you have to conform. St. Paul is saying, no, religion is this mystical experience of the one that allows us to be, have this one, oneness and love each other. Or another story, when I was, uh, I went to Mount Angel Seminary. And Mount Angel Seminary once, kind of funny, had this basketball competition between the Catholic seminary and this evangelical Bible uh, school. And it was kind of funny because when they showed up, they looked exactly the same. They were tall, they were blonde, they had matching uniforms, their girlfriends showed up as cheerleaders. And then you had the Catholic seminarians, not one of our girlfriends ever showed up. Um, <laughs> not only that, but Nobody had matching uniforms, just basically t-shirts, and everybody was completely different. Like, you had a, a Filipino, and a Hispanic, and a huge Samoan, and a Vietnamese, and an Anglo, and an Irish guy, and, like, this sounds kind of strange. You had sameness on that side, and the Catholic side, like, you had all this crazy, mixed-up diversity, and yet... I really love these guys. Everybody was completely different, but you can be different and united in love. So, like, is religion is about conformity or unity? And you have to be careful, because a lot of people will say, oh, we believe in unity. Well, do they? They really believe in the worship of oneself. Because, like, uh, back in my previous parish, uh, Meridian, we built a grade school, largest grade school on this side of the build, uh, the 
recently built on this side of the Mississippi. Um, it was the largest in Idaho. And here's the odd part. Big project, could have made it bigger, but um, here's what people say, was, was that really hard to build a Catholic school? No. Believe it or not, it was great. It was fun because you had all these people come forward with all this great talent, incredibly talent, and the whole parish was united that we can get this done. So it was really kind of fun, except uh, there's one woman, and I liked her. It's not a question whether I didn't like her. I liked her, but she wanted to be on the committee. But the problem is she's one of these people where she doesn't have skill, but she has this whole history that if you don't do exactly what she says, she throws a tiff and then immediately pulls out and leaves everybody holding the bag. So she is talented, but you have to do her will. Does that make sense? And like, I didn't w want her on the committee because you know it's going to happen. It will no longer be about unity. It will be about conforming to her will. You can't build anything like that. So St. Paul, when he's mentioned, you know, the body has many parts. The ear does not have to be an eye. The eye doesn't have to be a foot. Everything's different, but we can be united together. So St. Paul has this way of saying, we believe in the oneness. When you worship the one, God, it creates this oneness. And the oneness allows diversity, where um, the body has many parts. But it can, it's supposed to be diverse, so it can work together as one. Or there's this ancient homily from the early church that I like. That the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is one. It's the same. It's like water. Water may be the same, but we're all like seeds. And when the Holy Spirit, when you really immerse and take in the Holy Spirit, what blooms is what you're supposed to be. So the Holy Spirit on Bernadette... You may be, your seed may be, you're a big rose bush. And like me, I'm more of a thistle because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of prickly. Um, but I'm what God intended. And you may be a great cedar, but the Holy Spirit, the one thing, it's one, but it has different effects in people and allows us to work together. So St. Paul is saying, no, we worship baptism and Eucharist. We become one with, a, with the one, and it allows us to become our true selves. So religion at that point, still, um, religion is about this oneness. Uh, so it's not worship of self. So here's a, my point. I want to challenge you. What is your definition of religion? Is religion that you have to conform, I have to conform to you? Or is it that all of us are conforming to the one? Which definition do you have? Because people use the word worship all the time. But do they mean worship of the one or worship of oneself? And you have to conform to me. Because if religion becomes about conformity, it's just not going to work out. Like, um, if it's about you have to, I have to conform to you, there's no unity. Like, Renee, it's... Let's say Renee uses the word worship, but Renee will only love me if I cut my hair because she doesn't like long hair, and then I have to dress a certain way. Well, the problem is they'll always be coming up with something else. You'll never really love anybody. They'll never conform enough. And the, that's not love. 
That's control. We pray and pray and pray. We baptize. We celebrate the Eucharist. So as St. Paul says, there's one spirit, one God, and it makes us one with each other. My hope is, what's I got to say? My real hope is this. My real hope is not that I get to go ski, although I do want to. My real hope is that I want to become a mystic. I want to become like Carol Houselander and be able to see Christ in everybody and love Christ in everybody. My hope for this parish is that we all become mystics, that we immerse ourselves in the oneness of God so that we can be truly united. So be able to pick out, well, are we united by conformity or are we united by our oneness with God? Uh, what the Eucharist celebrates is that, ah, we become the body of Christ through oneness with God, not through conformity. And Jesus, in the Gospel, when he mentions, he picks apart that this religion is supposed to be this revolution. We're the ones who are supposed to revolutionize the world with love. Conformity will not change the world. It's just more a different type of oppression. It's our one with, oneness with God that will really start the revolution. Hello, this is Father Len McMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern supporting the podcast financially. Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comment section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel. May God bless you for your generosity.